Well, it's so good to see everyone here this morning as we get ready for the Word of God. I want to thank you and applaud all of you here today as we've come to church on Memorial Day weekend. And this is one of those weekends that every pastor, even the ones I've talked to this week, they say, oh no, it's Memorial Day, it's Memorial Day, Labor Day, Memorial Day, and just the summer in general. It's a tough time to be a pastor, so I want to thank you guys because you could have been at the beach. It's a beautiful day. You notice how much bad weather we had all week, but on Sunday it's the best day? Yeah. No, yeah. And I think it was tempting probably because our family was on vacation. We're still on vacation, but we came back down, me and Jerrica and I, to preach this word today. So you guys are in for a treat today. Yeah. (laughs) John chapter 9. Let's go to John chapter 9, verse 1. And before we start, just a special happy birthday to Nancy. Yes. Nancy told me a few weeks ago, I said, Nancy, how old are you going to be? She goes, no, after 60, you stop counting. So, (laughs) 29 forever, yes. John chapter 9, verse 1. And the word of God says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the work of God might be displayed. Notice what Jesus said. It happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of Him who sent me as long as it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When He had said this, He spat on the ground, made clay, and applied it to the man's eyes. That's gross. And He said to him, Go, and wash in the pool of Siloam, translated scent. So he went away and washed and came back seen. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit and beg? And others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, he's, he's just like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes open? And he answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received my sight. Now let's jump over to verse 35. Jesus heard that they had put him out And finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to the blind man, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And I want to preach to you this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Lord, give me a break. How many of you feel like you need a break in life right now? Come on. 
I know I need one. I can't even get a break on Memorial Day. I got to come here to preach to you people. So <laughs> say it with me. Lord, give me a break. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, give us a break. Help us to understand what that means. And Father, bless us a double portion of your anointing today, Lord, because the real Christians are here today in Memorial Day. We ask that you help me to preach this word. And for all those who are out of town, help them to enjoy their vacation, their time of rest, and keep them safe on their way back home. Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word today. John chapter 9. I was reading this passage this week. <clears throat> Not for Sunday, it was just for myself. <clears throat> Sorry. I was reading this passage and it really spoke to me. Because I was thinking now that I'm going to be almost 13 years in the ministry as a pastor. 13 years. Yeah, 13 years. And I started looking back at our ministry. I started looking back at all these years as a pastor. And I started thinking about some of the craziest questions people have asked me as a pastor. Especially coming from kids. The kids in our church, we need to pray for them. They ask me some questions that are, I'm just like, where did you come up with that? And some of the most popular questions are like, were there dinosaurs in the ark? I believe it was Alizé that asked me that one, and I told her, of course there was. Well, my teacher said there was, and I go, well, you tell your, your teacher she's dumb and she needs Jesus. And Alizé went and told her, so let's just see what happened. <laughs> Another one is, if Jesus can see us at all times, does he see me showering? How do you say yes, he sees you showering to someone? But yes, I've been asked that. Does Adam and Eve, did they have belly buttons? I've been asked the craziest of questions. But one of the craziest questions that I was ever asked by a little girl, and I didn't know how to answer it. It was a few months ago, my cousin's daughter was in the hospital, and we were praying desperately for her because she was very sick and losing her life. And on that night that she went to go be with the Lord, little Autumn laid there, and I held her body that was lifeless, and she was dark and purple, and her eyes were closed, and I've never had this experience of holding a dead child. And that night, as I walked outside that hospital room, my cousin's little girl, Jenna, was in the hallway, and her father told me, would you watch Jenna for a moment while I go and comfort everyone else? And I said, yes, who happens to be a pastor too. And I was in that hallway and I was like, Lord, what do I tell her? What, what, what can I say? And I said nothing. I just held her. And Jenna asked me this question. She said, David, why would God take her life? Why would God do something like this? And then she said it best when she said it like this. Why does God let us suffer? That's the hardest question I've ever been asked. 
Why does God allow us to suffer? And before I could even answer or try to answer, she looked at me, she goes, I guess we'll never know. We just have to trust Him. Spoken like a true pastor's daughter. She said, I guess we will never know. We just have to trust Him. But what a question. Why does God allow us to suffer? It's a question that I believe not only kids have, but as we grow into our adulthood, we ask the same question of God. Why would God allow us to hurt? Why would God not allow us to experience blessing all the time? Why does God allow cancer? Why does God take the life of a child? Why does God make a child sick in the first place? Why would God allow us to lose a job? Why does He allow us to have our hearts broken? Why does God allow things not to work out? Why did not that opportunity work out? Why is life so much harder for me? Why is it that my prayers don't get answered? And whether you're a believer or not, everyone has this question. If God is so good, why is there so much suffering in the world? It's a question that a lot of us have of God. It's a question that the disciples had for Jesus when they saw this blind man. And they saw this blind man who in that time, in that culture, when you were blind, you were considered hopeless. Not only that, but in this culture, when you were sick, people believed that it was actually a punishment from God. So when they saw sick people, and they saw blind people, deaf people, paralyzed people, they believed that somehow God was punishing them, and God was angry with them, and somewhere down the line in their life, they sinned, and God was paying them back. So that's why the disciples, they see this man on the side of the road, blind from birth, which understand this, this man, because he was blind, he was rejected by society, he was told that God was angry with him, and this man just sat there on the road begging, blind, from birth. It almost doesn't seem fair that this man never even had a shot at life. This man came out of the womb suffering. This man came out of the womb in bondage to blindness. And when the disciples saw this man, they looked to Jesus and they wanted to know why this happened. And they said this profound question. They said, Lord, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? So they said, Lord, we know he deserves this. We know that he's being punished by God, but we want to know whether it was him that deserved it or was it because of his parents that he's going through this. But somewhere down the line, we know that God is punishing him. And if we're honest with ourselves, when life is hard and things aren't going our way, we tend to believe the same lie. We tend to believe that somehow God must be mad at you. God is punishing you. God is angry with you. If not, your life would be so much easier. And that's why God is better off with someone else. God is blessing other people, but not you. Because somewhere down in life, 
Maybe your childhood, maybe as a teenager, or even a few months ago, you sinned, you did the wrong thing, you made the wrong choice, and when the minute you made that choice, God was angry with you, and God made a decision to punish you, and the devil tries to convince you of this, to bring shame into your life, discouragement into your faith, and hopelessness into your emotions, because the devil wants you to quit, he wants you to live in discouragement and he wants you to feel like God is actually angry with you because if you believe such a lie, you then run away from God and never experience his freedom. So the devil tries to put this in your mind because he wants you to forget what Jesus did on the cross. On the cross, Jesus died for your sins. Our sins were punished on Jesus on that cross. So when you sin, does God get angry? Yes. God hates sin. And he gets angry. But though he gets angry at the sin, and he may get angry at your choices, God in no shape or form ever looks at you and says, I can't stand the sight of you. I hate you. I wish you were never born. That is a lie that the enemy brings to our lives. Sin was punished on the cross. So you ask yourself, does that mean I can sin and get away with it? No. But let me explain why God allows us to suffer. Sometimes we suffer because of our own sin. Our own choices. And if this has been you in the past, can I get an amen right now? Amen. Our sin causes you to suffer. Your choices. And why does God allow us to suffer in our sin? It's not a punishment, because when God punishes, it's a condemning attitude. But though God may not punish you for sin, God will discipline you for sin. And discipline is God's way of showing you love so that He can bring you back to where you belong. And the Bible is clear. The Bible says the Lord loves those He disciplines. That's why you try to get away with it and it did not work. You thought you were slick, but you got caught. That's why things are falling apart in your life. Because me as a believer, when I choose to sin and I choose to rebel, and I choose to live contradictory to the Word of God, God in His love and God in His mercy says, I'm not going to let you get away with this. I'm going to discipline you and not let this work out so that when it doesn't work out, you turn from your rebellion, you repent, and come back to me. So if the Lord has ever disciplined you, thank Him for it. Don't be discouraged. Don't be angry, but say, Lord, I thank you for your discipline because had it not been for the discipline of the Lord, you would have still been out there in the world living in sin and not experiencing the greatness of our God. So let's thank him for the discipline that he's given you. That it did not work out. Another reason that God allows suffering is not only because of our own sin. But unfairly, I have to say the truth, sometimes we suffer because of the sins of other people. Reminds me of the story of Jonah when he rebelled against God and God told him to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I want to do what I want. And he jumped on a boat 
and went to Tarsus. And the Bible says that a huge storm came. The boat was falling apart, but Jonah was not the only one on that boat. There were other innocent sailors. And maybe you can relate to that. We suffer because of the sins of other people. Let's make one thing clear. When you sin, we tell ourselves, it's only hurting me. It's only affecting me. But your sins have a profound effect on other people. Your choices go past you and can pass towards your marriage. It could affect your children. It could affect everyone around you that loves you. And maybe you've suffered because of the sin and the selfishness of someone else. And as a pastor, I've seen many of you suffer because of the sin of someone else. It was the sin of a family member that caused you to be broken. Notice the disciples asked who sinned, him or his parents, because the disciples understood that we can suffer because of some other people. And sometimes those people might even be your parents, your loved ones, those closest to you, a spouse you trusted, a friend you grew up with. But their own sin and disobedience have affected you. Sometimes God allows us to suffer, not only because of our own sin or the sin of other people, but sometimes we suffer because of the gospel. Maybe not here yet in the U.S., but around the world, there are thousands upon thousands of Christians that are dying weekly because of their faith in Jesus. There are churches that are being burned. There are pastors right now in Libya, there's pastors that their tongues are being cut off for preaching. You can suffer for the sake of the gospel. And maybe they're not going to put us in chains yet or in prison yet for the gospel. And I say yet because it's coming. But maybe your friends reject you. Maybe your family members mock you. Maybe people look down on you for coming to church on a memorial day. People will look at you and reject you because you love Jesus. And we suffer because of the gospel. I as a pastor have suffered because of this gospel. I have suffered and my family has suffered for this word of God. We have suffered together as a church for the sake of the gospel. I could think about anywhere else right now where I'd rather be. But right now I'm in church, planning this church and ministry for the sake of the gospel. But it's not easy. One of the most confusing ways God allows us to suffer is to build character. The Bible says the trials produce in us perseverance, and once perseverance finishes its work. The Bible says that sometimes God allows us to suffer because He's trying to build character within your spirit. So maybe right now you're saying, Lord, give me patience. But God, that's, God says, okay. And instead of you waking up one day saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I'm just such a patient man right now. God's going to put the most annoying person right in your path to build your character so that you can be more patient. That person might be the person you're married to. Might be your children. Might be a co-worker. But God will put circumstances in your life 
to build your character. So if you pray, Lord, help me with patience, help me with love, help me to grow and not be such an angry person, God says, I'm going to put you through the test. I'm going to make you suffer. I'm going to put you through this trial. But when the trial is finished, it is going to work in you. Because sometimes God wants to work in you before he can work through you. So suffering can happen for so many reasons. Suffering can happen because of our own sin. Suffering can happen because of the sins of other people. Suffering can happen because God is disciplining us. Suffering can happen because we're walking for Jesus in the gospel. And suffering can happen because he's trying to build character in our lives. But in no shape or form is suffering ever a way of God telling you, I'm angry with you and I can't stand you, so I'm just going to put you through this. In fact, Jesus' response to this amazing question, why did this happen? Was it because of him or his parents? Why is he suffering? And in verse 3 and 4, let's read this together. Jesus responds, and the response might shock you because I know it shocked and confused the disciples when Jesus said it. Because remember, in this culture, they thought that when life was going bad and things weren't working out, you sinned, you messed up, and somewhere down the line, God was just angry with you. This is why when Job, for example, Job lost his, his children, Job was sick, Job lost his finances, and when his friends came to him, instead of consoling him, instead of comforting him, one of his friends spoke out and said, Job, just repent. We know you messed up. We know that God is angry with you. You must have done something wrong. If not, you would not be going through this. But that was so far from the truth. It was a demonic attack. But see, the disciples and everyone in that culture believed that you suffer because God hates you. You suffer because God is punishing you. You suffer because God is angry with you. But notice that Jesus is about to respond in a way that's going to turn the entire belief system of that culture on its head upside down. Verse 3 and 4, Jesus answered, It was neither. It was neither this man nor his parents. But it was so that the work of God might be displayed. We must work the work of Him who sent me as long as it is day. But night is coming when no one can work. See, Jesus, He responds in a way that is shocking. He said, it's not because this man sinned. It's not because he had parents that sinned. But guys, this happened so that God can display His work. And that word work in the Greek is a word that literally means power. So that God can display His power. So that God can be seen. So that you can encounter the Lord like you've never encountered Him. You see, God is telling us this morning that sometimes you suffer. 
Not because you sinned, not because of other people, not because I'm building character, not because I'm disciplining you, but sometimes I'm allowing you to suffer so that you can see who I am. So you can see my power. So that my power will be displayed, not only in your life, but that when other people see what you've gone through, they're going to see me. And God says, I'm allowing you to suffer. So that not only will my power be seen, but so that you can be a testimony. God says, I'm letting him suffer so that the work of God can be displayed. It's funny because when life is hard and we're suffering, people say, why isn't God working? Don't we do that? Why is God not working? If God was working, my life would be better. If God was working, things would be working out. If God was working, I wouldn't be going through this. If God were working, I wouldn't be sick. If God were working, I would not have had that opportunity closed. If God were working, I wouldn't be suffering this way. We always equate God not working with life being hard. But it's the opposite. God is saying, no, when you're suffering, that's when I'm working most. That's when I'm working my plans. That's when my power is being seen. That's when I'm trying to display who I am in your life. So I allow you to suffer. I'll allow you to go through hard times. I'll allow you to be broken so that you will see who I am. How will you know God is a healer unless he makes you sick? How will you know God is a provider if not he puts you in a place of need? How will you know that God can restore you unless you need restoration? Do you get it now? God is saying, I'm allowing you to suffer so that my work would be displayed. It's crazy for us to think that because we're suffering, it must mean God has checked out and he's not working. When the essence of our faith in Christianity is Jesus on the cross suffering for our sins, knowing that he is suffering because God is working on our behalf. Amen? So don't let the devil lie to you and convince you that because your life is going through a season of suffering, that somehow God is not working anymore. Why does the devil lie to us this way? The devil tries to lie to you and tell you that God is not working because he's trying to discourage you from your faith and get you to depend on yourself or other things but God. He's trying to get you to lose faith, rely on yourself, and give up on what God is trying to do. And he has to do that by convincing us that God is not working. God's not working, so therefore you got to do it on your own. God is not working, so you better rely on your money and your own power and your own strength. God is not working, so you might as well give up on that dream. God is not working. If not, why is it not working out? But the opposite is the truth. God said that when you are suffering, I'm allowing it so that my work will be displayed. God is working. Even when you don't see it. And he's just trying to deteriorate. He's trying to get you distracted. 
by convincing you God is not working. That God somehow, He's forgotten you. So just give up and rely on yourself. But here's what we have to understand about God and what Jesus told the disciples. This happened so that my work will be seen. Romans 8.28 is a verse we all quote, but we really don't understand what God is saying. First of all, it says, and we know. And we know. Say that with me. And we know. Why does the Bible just throw that in there and not God works all things for good for those who love Him? Why does it say, and we know? Because this verse means nothing unless you know it with all faith. You have to know. Be confident and know that God causes. Notice what the Bible says. God caused it. Not you, not the devil. But what if it was me? God caused it to let you do it. But what if it was the devil? God caused it so that the devil could do it. But all things are caused by God. We know that God causes all things. That includes good and bad. But here's where God, to me, is just so amazing. God works together for good. God works together. Say that with me, together. That word together means to mend two things as one. Because separately, everything might look bad. But when you put it all together, God says something good comes. He works all things together for good to those who love God. Do you love God? Do you love God? Believe me, what you're going through right now He's working it. It doesn't say he will work. It says he causes all things to work. He's working. For those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Everything that's happening to you right now is caused by God on purpose. He has a purpose for everything you're going through. He has a purpose for why certain things in your past didn't work out. He has a purpose. Right now, Odalis, he has a purpose for your cancer. It's Memorial Day. I'm going to get personal. He has a purpose. Barbara, he has a purpose for your grandson and his condition. He has a purpose, Darius, for your future and your life, no matter what your past looked like. He has a purpose for you, Jay and Stephanie. The house didn't work out in the past. It didn't work out. And I remember those days. It didn't work out. It didn't go through. Aren't you glad God has something better for you? 
with a pier and a fishing lake. Amen? Amen. God is good. See, God says, I work all things for good. So when the bad things happen, you have to see it differently. Say, it did not happen to me. It happened for me. That's how a Christian should talk. You don't have to say, why did God do this to me? Why is God doing this to me? God says, it didn't happen to you. It happened for you. And I'm doing it for your good. If it didn't work out then, it's because God has something for you. If it's hard right now, it's because God is doing it for you. That's why as believers, we don't live our lives complaining and bitter and angry and discouraged and moping around because we see the world differently. We love God. And we know that those that love God, He has called for His purpose. There is a purpose. Paulette, to why God has you going to South Carolina in a few weeks. There's a purpose, Nancy, why God allowed everything in your past and all the addictions you went through. He has set you free because he wants the work of God to be displayed to other addicts. He has a way of saying, I'm going to show up and show off through you. God is good. Come on, give him praise today. On Thursday, I was thinking about this message. It was driving me crazy. Because I said, Lord, this is running through my mind. I wrote this message this morning. True story. This morning, got up at 5 and said, okay, God, I'm ready to write. Because all week long, I was wrestling with this. And on Thursday morning, I got up, walked the dogs, came back to bed, went to sleep. You ever had one of those mornings you get up and you say, why am I up and I'm going back to bed? That's how early it was. But I kept thinking about this blind man. And when I went to bed, I had a dream. And the dream, I know when a dream is because of something I watched on TV or something I ate. But this dream was from God. And as I sat there in the morning falling asleep, I had this vision, I had this dream that I know was from God and I couldn't understand it. But in my dream, I saw a bunch of broken eggshells. And I saw a plant. And I saw this in my vision and then I woke up. And I said, what was that? And I couldn't understand it. But now all day on Thursday, I'm here thinking, what is that, Lord? Lord, what does that mean? God, I don't understand. What was that? What was that? I know it was a dream from God. I know that was not just an ordinary dream. Why am I thinking about broken eggs and a plant, God? Tell me, Lord, tell me. And nothing. I was mad. I said, God, thanks for showing me that for nothing. And then Friday morning, Jericho said, I said, do you want cereal for breakfast? She goes, nah. Do you want Cuban bread with butter toasted? That's nice, right? Amen? She said, no. I want eggs. I'm like, Ugh. So I'm there in the kitchen. My dad's next to me. And, I, and I'm getting these eggs. I'm cracking them. I'm bitter because I said, man, I know I married her. I love her. She's great, but why is she making me do eggs? I'm here, tired. 
tossing the eggs. My dad's next to me. I forgot about my dream. I get these broken eggshells. True story, Jericho will testify. I'm getting ready to throw them out in the garbage. And my dad goes, what are you doing? It's like, what? No, 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 give me that. So why do you want these? And he says, I use them. I said, for what? And dad said, for my plants. I said, wait a minute, what? I'm holding broken eggshells, and dad just said plants. Oh my goodness, it's my dream. Tell me more, dad. And he's like, you ever notice when you open my fridge growing up that I have tons of broken eggshells? in the carton, and I saved them. And I said, yeah, I always wonder why you do that. And he says, because eggshells have a lot of calcium, and I use them in my plants, and it actually helps them grow and get stronger and better. So I never waste a broken shells because I use it. And instantly the Holy Spirit spoke to me there and said, now do you get it? God allows us to go through brokenness. Does ever feel like this in your life? Isn't it negative for us to use the word broken? We say things like, my heart's been broken. Everything's breaking apart in my life. I'm falling apart. I'm at my breaking point. And when we look at our broken life and the things that haven't worked out and all the brokenness we're going through, we tend to look at it as a waste of time. Why is God doing this? This has no use to me. But our Father said just what my Father said. No, no, no. There is a purpose for the brokenness. There is a reason why I've allowed this brokenness in your life. The brokenness you think is useless is actually useful for growing you. And God showed me there in that vision that someone here today is going through a broken season because he wants you to use it for growth. And he's going to use it for his glory. And he's going to use it to mature you. And something good is going to come out of what you think is broken. In the hands of God, God's going to turn it for good. And I bowed down that day. I went to my room and I bowed down to the Lord and I said, Lord, I thank you that you still give dreams and visions and I thank you for revealing it to me. Because through all brokenness, God's saying, I'm going to use it. When my father said that, as I held broken shells, he talked about a plant. Don't tell me there's no God. And that's a coincidence. That was a coincidence. No, it wasn't. God says, I know you're broken right now. People have broken you. Life has broken you. There are broken dreams. Broken marriages. Broken relationships broken expectations and you look at your brokenness like I did and you said what is this for this is useless this is garbage what a waste but see God had a way of saying through my own father it's not a waste 
Because the devil tries to tell you through your brokenness, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time believing God can do something good. You're wasting your time thinking that things are going to get better. You're wasting your dreams. It's never going to change. And I believe of all the weeks, God chose this Memorial Day weekend to reveal to me in a dream that someone or maybe this entire church is going through a brokenness that is not a waste. But God is going to use it. And you're not only going to come out of it, you're going to be better than before. And you're going to grow from it. Come on, give God some praise today. You say, well, Pastor, right now, Pastor, my life is falling apart. I'm broken. I'm at my breaking. My heart's been broken. I do see it as useless, a waste. But can God really use this to grow me? To give me what I'm lacking? To build me stronger. Absolutely. That's why he allowed the suffering. God says, I'm going to use the brokenness to give you what you're lacking. To help you grow and get stronger. This man was born blind. And he said, how can God make something better come out of that? Look at verse 38. Let me prove to you that something great always comes out of something bad. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. Because of this man's blindness, he had an encounter with Jesus. And because he had an encounter with Jesus, he had an encounter with Jesus' power and his healing. And because he was healed of his blindness, he was able to recognize the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And because he was able to recognize the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ, he was able to believe in him. And because he recognized the authority and the lordship of Jesus Christ and was able to believe in him, he believed in him and he got saved. And because he got saved, now he's in heaven. And now he's in heaven saying, thank God I was blind. Had it not been for the blindness, I would never have seen Jesus. That's why you can't look at your past and say, oh, I can't believe I did that. Why no, that's not... Why did God allow me to go through that? Listen, God uses all things. And you're going to look back at your life and you're going to say, I'm thankful the Lord used that. I'm so glad I went through that. I'm so glad I was broken that way. Had it not been for that childhood, had it not been for that abuse, had it not been for that addiction, had it not been for that heartbreak, I would not have known Jesus Christ. So God uses all things to bring you to his encounter. Thank God for the blindness this man was saying. That's why when life is hard, don't be crazy and say, thank you, Lord. Don't be that that person. But when life is hard, at least look at it and say, I know it's not a waste. But God is using this for my good. And I dare you to say, Lord, teach me. So if you're going through a broken season, you're saying, Lord, give me a break. God says, I'm going to give you a break, all right. But see, when God gives you a break, it's not from problems. When God gives you a break, He allows circumstances to break you so that you grow through them. 
But if you are going through a trial of suffering, let me help you this morning. Can I help you? Number one, let me remind you of this in verse one. He passed by and he saw the man. He passed by and he saw a man blind from birth. First thing I want to remind you right now is Jesus sees him. But this man could not see Jesus. Remember, he's blind. That's what's going to happen in your life. You're not going to see God sometimes because life doesn't look like he's there. You're not going to see the Lord. But the Lord sees you. He sees you when you're hurt. He sees you when you're treated unjustly. He sees you when you're alone. He sees you when you're crying yourself to sleep. He sees you in the doctor's office. He sees you when you have a rebellious child. He sees you in your suffering. He sees you in your pain. The Lord sees you, but that doesn't mean that you're going to see him. And though this man could not see Jesus, it was evident that the Bible said, not just that Jesus passed by, but the Bible had to put it there. I saw him. Why is it so significant? You want some real spiritual truth? The Bible says Jesus saw him. This man could not see. The Bible says Jesus saw him. This man could not see. What's the point, Pastor? Here's the point. God is able to do what you can't. This man could not see, but Jesus could. Why is it so significant that you say this, Pastor? Why? Because... You serve a God that says, I can when you can't. And I know right now you can't see, but I can. And I see you. And the Bible is clear about this. That not only did Jesus see him, he knew why he was going through what he Someone needs to hear this today. He sees you. And he knows the why to what you're going through. He sees you. And not only does God know why you're going through what you're going through. You ready? God has a plan to get you out. God has a plan to make it better. God has a plan to work it for God's glory. He sees you. I look crazy sometimes when someone gets mad at me or someone curses me out driving. I don't curse back at them. I say, did you see that, Lord? Because I feel like God is saying, oh, I saw that. And in my mind, I said, go get him, God. Go get him. Pray for it's true. I said, did you see that? I, I dare you. Just for a moment, just say it. You know, when you're going through it, just mumble it. Did you see that word? Do it in front of your spouse too. When they get mad, just say, Did you see that, Lord? And your your, your spouse going, no, 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 don't say that to God. No, he saw it. You better run. <laughs> he sees it. 
But then it gets crazier, guys. Because look at verse, the second point. Not only does God see and know and have a plan, but God gets, with, with reverence, I'm saying this, okay? Jesus looks mean here. Does it ever look like God is mean to you? Am I the only one? Don't act spiritual. Adam, you and me are the only ones that say, yeah, mean God, mean Sharon, mean God. All right. Jesus looks mean here. Look at verse 6 and 7. Because we love this part. Oh, he sees the blind man. He knows his condition. He has a plan. Hallelujah. But notice how the plan begins. Verse 6 and 7. When he had said this, he spat on the ground. That's some country stuff. He just spits on the ground. Esa cosa de cubano, bro. Spit on the ground. He made some clay. A spittle. Even spittle. Just say spittle. It sounds gross. And he applied the clay to his eyes. Now let's just be real here. Jesus healed a lot of folks in the Bible. Never like this. Can you imagine you're walking down the street and you see me, your pastor, praying over someone. Oh, how nice. And then you see me approach a blind person, grab some mud, spin it in, and put it on his face. You're going to videotape that. You're going to use it as collateral. <laughs> You're going to post it on TikTok. Pastor goes crazy. Messes up a blind man's face. But think about this. We read this like it's normal. That's not normal. But imagine if you're the blind man now. And he's thinking, man, can life get any harder? And all of a sudden a man comes and says, Toma! And he messes up his face. And he has all this face and all this mud in his face. This man is not only blind, but now he has graduated to an old, dirty blind man. And this guy can't see, and he said, who would do that? Why would you do that? Who, who's that messed up? Imagine everyone around him. Look, it's Jesus. It's the Messiah. What is he doing? And he's getting mud, and he's putting it on this man's face. Jesus looks mean. Sometimes you feel, man, God's mean to me. And it just got messier. But Jesus does everything on purpose. Why did Jesus grab the spit and the dirt and made clay? Let me give you some facts here. In the Jewish culture, there was a belief still today that the firstborn son, his saliva has healing properties. They believed that the saliva of the firstborn has a power to heal. And when you get the dirt from the ground, in the Bible, the dirt was a symbol of man because God took the dirt and formed a man out of it. So you put those two together. Jesus said, I'm putting these two together to remind you that not only am I a healer, I am the son of God. I am the Son of God who has the power to heal and has the power over all man and creation. And I'm working all of it together for my glory. Jesus was not being mean. 
Jesus was showing who he was. Whatever happens in your life, sometimes it feels like life gets messy. But that's when you have to remind yourself that he's God. And he still has the power to heal, transform, and he has the power over all men. So Jesus puts this mud on his face and it looks messy and it looks disgusting. But then Jesus does something else that we have to remember when life gets messy. Let me tell you that the messiness of this man was an indication that something great was about to happen. And your life may look like a big mess right now, but I'm guaranteeing you, if your life's a mess right now, God is ready to clean that up. He's getting ready to clean that up. In fact, he tells the man, get up, walk to the pool of Siloam, wash yourself. Doesn't tell him why. And when I read that, I said, wait, God. He's blind. And you're telling this man, get up and walk. But he's blind. And the Bible doesn't say, and the people helped him, the people guided him to the pool. The Bible would have said that had they done that, because in other healings, it describes how people helped. They carried his mat. They carried him to the rooftop. They helped him out. This man got up and went on his own to the pool. Now, why is that so powerful? Because it's a lot like us. You guys ready? Blind people. I had a blind dog once. I'm just going to teach it this way. I had a blind dog named Bacon. He was so blind, he would bark at the wall for days. And when he became blind, the vet said, whatever you do, don't move the furniture around because he's familiar with the area and the environment, the surroundings, so he's able to manage and walk and he's going to be okay as long as you don't move anything. He's become familiar. You know I moved everything around, but anyway. (laughs) But see, blind people, they have this ability to get familiar with the surroundings so that even though they're blind, they can still manage. They can still do what they need to do. So the reason that this man was able to get up while blind and go to the pool by himself is because he got so familiar with everything around him. And you know that's sad because a lot of you here today, you've gotten so familiar with the same problem you've been going through. My preaching truth today. Some of you are so familiar with pain and loneliness that you've learned to manage it. You're so familiar with rejection that you just learned to get by with it. You get so familiar with disappointment. You get so familiar with loneliness, rejection, discouragement, depression. You get so familiar with anger that you kind of just get good at it and you learn to live with it and manage. But see, God doesn't want you to be familiar with your bondage. He says, I want to transform you so you're never the same again. But see, while this man had this messy face, Jesus tells him, Go and wash. 
And the Bible says this man got up and he went. He didn't get angry with Jesus. He didn't get discouraged. He didn't say, why did you put mud on my face? He simply obeyed. And I need someone to learn this today. If your life is a mess right now, do nothing but trust in Jesus and obey him. And watch what happens. And this man couldn't understand why. Everyone was looking at him, and he's covered in mud. And they're like, where, where are you going? I don't know. I'm just listening to Jesus. Well, where, why are you going to the pool? I don't know. Jesus told me to. And that's how we need to live our lives. No matter how messy it gets, we just walk in faith, walk in obedience, and see the transformation of God. And when this man washed his face, not knowing what's going to happen. All of a sudden, he was able to see. And his whole life was transformed, and he was never the same again. That's why when life is hard and you're suffering, and life is a mess and God looks mean, you just have to trust him and obey that he's working it for you, and he's making all things right, and you're never going to be the same again. You just have to trust him in your brokenness. How do you know God has truly changed you? Look at verse 25. When they answered whether he was a sinner, he said, I don't, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Let me, let me just pause there. I was blind, but now I see. How do you know God has truly transformed you? You're able to speak of your brokenness in the past tense. He said, I was. Not I'm still am, not I'm going to be. He says, I was blind, but now I see. And he used this as a testimony. And I want to tell you this morning, church, this is why I love a lot of you here today. As I look at your life, and I'm seeing things that had you in bondage, brokenness that had you down, I see you talking about it now in the past tense. I see it. And maybe God is telling you today what you're going through right now, one day you're going to talk about it in the past tense. And it's going to be used as a testimony. This all stands to our feet. With every head bow, every eye closed, you're saying, God, give me a break. Your life is broken. Trust God. It's helping you grow. So don't give up now. Don't say, Lord, why? I don't see you. You don't have to see him. The blind man did not see Jesus. But Jesus saw him. So whatever you're suffering with right now, don't take it as God saying, I'm punishing you. I hate you. I regret you. Take it as God saying this is happening for you. 
So if you're here this morning and saying, Pastor, the Holy Spirit spoke to me today, would you put your hands on me? God bless you. God bless you all around the room today. Would you just tell the Lord, thank you for speaking to you? Because you came here today on this beautiful Sunday Memorial Day weekend. Maybe broken. But God says, I know you think I'm me. I know you think life is messy right now. But if you would just trust me and obey me and let the brokenness cause you to grow, you will talk about your brokenness in the past tense. And the same blindness that plagued this man his entire life, he spoke about it in the past. Because that's the God you serve today. A God that says, I am able to get the thing that has kept you in bondage your whole life. I am able to set you free where you talk about it in the past and it is used in the present as a testimony. So church, stay strong as the Lord gives you a break. Father, in Jesus' name, break us. Work in us. And I thank you that you see us when we don't see you. Father, we may not understand why you allow us to suffer. But we know and declare you work all things for good. So today, Lord, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you that we came to your house as a family. For you spoke today, Lord. That you are working for us, not against us. So we pray that you give us the strength to go through this suffering. Use it as a testimony and help us to grow from it. In Jesus' name, God's church said, amen and amen. Come on, give God some praise today.